You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. 40 years ago, this is Emeritus Rex with Rabbi Ruven Yeshua Pupko of Beth Israel Beth Aaron's Coat St. Luke show. Of course, right now, Rabbi Pupko is uh, enjoying a, a very much needed vacation in warmer climes in Florida, but that doesn't mean that his mind and his understanding of the world is any less sharp. Uh, he knows exactly what's going on, and there's a hell of a lot that's been going on over the last couple of weeks since we've spoken last. So I think we have three major things on the table. Let's talk first about where our hearts and minds are, which is, of course, Eretz Yisrael, and the new government that was unveiled by uh, Netanyahu. Um, I don't know if there was 30 cabinet, cabinet, cabinet posts. I'll tell you, it, my head swirled with all the different names and all the different people, and and this is a partial one, and this is a deputy one, and this is a rotating one. Boy, it, it really is. It's more complex than the Sugiv Chaninas Gan Koyanim. I'll tell you that. Well, I'll tell you. You know, um, it's embarrassing. <laughs> Uh, the spectacle of Israel's, uh, you know, cobbling together uh, this uh, coalition, which in, uh, includes people that uh, are on the, the fringes of uh, their own movements in, in many ways. Um, a government that uh, seems uh, to be um, abandoning some of the assumptions of uh, the past few decades in terms of what one would expect from an Israeli government, what one, what one would expect from religious parties in Israel or from right-wing parties. I guess the greatest uh, event of the week or uh, the most telling event of the week was uh, Ben Gvir's visit to Har Habayit. As you know, uh, visits in the past, uh, like by Eric Sean of Blessed Memory, were used as a pretext uh, for violence. And I say pretext, Deliberately, because all, all the evidence shows that the Intifada, the second Intifada was planned long before Arik Sharon stepped foot on Harabite, but Palestinians claimed that was the provocation, which in the minds of, of you know, of, of Israel's critics has some legitimacy, uh, bizarrely. Um, but so Ben Gvir visited the Temple Mount uh, after it seems the media reports seemed to uh, uh, claim that he had promised Bibi the day before that he wouldn't go. He went anyway. But this is his group. I mean, these are his people. And, uh, you know, he, he, he apparently would rather the rather enjoy the continued devotion of his circle of supporters rather than try to, uh, you know, enlarge the circle of those who would support some of the more important policies and cobbled together in ways they never were before and reconfigured about the Magav, the border police, the Mishmar Gvul. You know, it's, it's very strange. But again, I think, you know, uh, Bibi's going to have a difficult time reining everybody in um, and keeping people, you know, uh, with their eye focused on, on, you know, on the real priorities uh, facing Israel. But there's no question that uh, a government that looks like this and behaves as many expect will be the cause of uh, distress for many North American Jews. Uh, and uh, some of that is legitimate. Much of it is illegitimate, but it will cause them distress. Uh, even on the Temple Mount issue, it is hard to tolerate restrictions on Jews. However, ironically, uh, his visit to te- the Temple Mount was condemned 
by the uh, by Yatid, uh, by the Yatid Haredi newspaper, right? And by because the party chief rabbi, and and not only because of how for halachic reasons, because they felt it was dangerous. They felt it was, as you said, it was the type of thing that could create uh, incite violence. Um, and I, again, I mean, this is really hard to condemn a visit to Harabayat, you know, a, pl- a country that celebrates its the religious freedoms that all religions enjoy, yet they have a singular restriction on Jewish practice. Right, we've talked about that. Uh, yeah. Ben Gvir's title is officially the security uh, minister. Security, okay. So, right, right, security. And of course, that can be a very broad, uh, interpreted very broadly. And then right. you have, so, you have Ari. And so really, again, you know, you talked a minute ago about how it's confusing doesn't really mean anything. Arye Dairy is the interior ministry. I saw that Cold Goldknopf is the housing minister. Right. Um, and that to me sort of makes sense because I, I guess what we're, they're looking for, um, you know, uh, more building for uh, Haredim to be able to afford apartments. Is, is, does that make, am I, am I just piecing things together r- ridiculously? No, you're right. Years? No, you're absolutely right. That's their concern are the narrow interests of their own constituency and again you would hope that people like uh those who lead the agoda party and would would also keep in mind the other issue on their or what should be on their agenda which is you know broadening the appeal of religious life rather than just securing the immediate interests of your community and acting in such a way which brings honor to torah and and, and the religious community, not just resources to the Torah community. Um, I, I did I, I did see that um, there was, uh, uh, I think, an openly gay speaker. I don't know if that means much. Uh, right. So I, I guess that... You know, he has they, a husband, apparently, and uh, when he got up to speak, the Haredim, uh, especially when he mentioned his husband, they turned <laughs> away. You know, uh, you know, I think for the Haredi community never made a big issue of this. It's very interesting. It's more the religious Zionists that are making an issue of this. The, the, the guys in Noam. The Haredim certainly aren't, you know, aren't marching the pride parade. But the Haredim don't talk about this stuff. And for a lot of reasons. They don't talk about it because it gives it uh, a profile in their own community, which they don't want to, they don't want it to have. But in the religious Zionist community, the... Um, the gay rights has become uh, the emblem or the symbol of all liberal ideology. And it's not just about the gay community. It's about, this is the sign of, you know, of, of, of liberalism, of, uh, of Western intrusion on Jewish values. And, uh, and there, there, there's a degree of obsession with, with gay rights that uh, seems to be out of whack with where it should be. Uh, in the list yeah, of priorities, but it's again for them, it's a symbol of everything wrong with the world. Yes, I, I think the minister that has uh, spoken out that you're referring to is Avi Moaz. I guess that is the fellow there. Yeah, yeah, he's from the Noam party, and uh, he's obsessed with this. I, I don't know why. So, but you know, and I know there's been um, demonstrations against this government already. The 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 left or yes. whatever, have already begun. And that seems to be a little bit also strange. I mean, let right. them at least start to function before... I mean, that's what BB keeps telling the Americans. Don't judge my government, BB saying to the Americans, by who's in the government, judge us by how we how we act. And again, so again, if BB is successful in reining in some of the more uh, outlandish uh, instincts of, of, of his partners, you know, th- things should be okay, you know, and... Uh, 
And given that Iran is pretty much off the table, the issues of friction with the Americans will center on West Bank settlements and the potential impending legalization of the illegal outposts. When I say illegal, I don't mean illegal by you know, the American idea or the, or the international idea. I mean, illegal under Israeli law that were established without permission. And, um, uh, and, uh, and, and, if, um, uh, and if they legalize these outposts, that'll certainly be a, uh, you know, a, a source of tension with the Americans. But on the other hand, I know it's my, now my third hand. On the other hand, <laughs> the American-Israeli security cooperation has never been tighter. And the vital role that Israel plays uh, in American security has never been clear. So I think that may temper some American criticism. I think we want to mention also here in this regard, um, uh, something that's sort of like an issue in the United States as well, which is playing around with um, the what the level of control the Supreme Court could have. Uh, the justice minister uh, is Aryeh Derry. And, right. Uh, I'm twice convicted, Arya Derry. Yes. And and although Arya Derry is a, we would, again, I, Rav Schwab would say, maybe you shouldn't call him for him. I don't know. You know, I'm not sure if you could use the word for him. I, I, maybe it's all a billable. I know he was a Talmud. No, I, I'll tell you a funny story, you know, and uh, when Derry was convicted the first time, which goes back, I think, 20 years, I don't know. Uh, so, so some, you know, some of his Sephardic fans, claim discrimination they said you know everybody does it meaning all the politicians are you know are tainted with corruption and you're only going after him because he's farting so everybody does it they said everybody does it so there was a columnist in my who at the time wrote you know you i hope your listeners will forgive the slightly inappropriate language but the the guy in my wrote listen everybody pees in the pool but not from the high dive <laughs> and uh and, and that's how he described uh the level of uh corruption by Ari Derry. <laughs> I see. Um yeah. Well it, it it's it's I guess the it is I guess ironic that someone who's convicted but I guess was I guess was sentenced to probation and because right. of that they feel he could still serve as, as the justice minister. And I think yeah, what, so- I think what they're hoping for is that Derry will push through um a type of, uh, I guess, end around that sitting prime ministers cannot be subject uh, to prosecution, which I think, you know, has a lot of relevance here in America. Right. For many people, you know, vis-a-vis President Trump. So uh, I think that's what, you know, that, that's what a lot of the outcry is, that Derry and Netanyahu together are both people that have been um, involved in corruption type of... Uh, Certainly the subject of accusation. Yes, yeah, subject of accusation. And therefore, it's strange that the you make the fox the... Uh, the shamer of the hen house. So it does right. look it does, it does look a little bit strange, um, and yet uh, it, 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 you know, as as you say, perhaps calmer heads should should prevail. Let's move over to the uh, our side of the pond. Uh, it, it it seems like the very slim majority that the Republicans hold in the house. Uh, what's happening there? Uh, is, is is listen? Everybody knows what's going on. There have now, I think, been six votes that, you know, in order to win, you need to have a majority of the entire House. The, the Republican majority is slim. Twenty or so Congress people or uh, Republican Congress people are refusing to vote for McCarthy. <coughs> Excuse me. 
so there's a deadlock and paralysis and the Republicans certainly are putting on a clown show. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it, does this, there's a lot it, of, listen, you can, you can criticize McCarthy for things, there's no question. But the fact that, you know, there's no one else who's going to garner a majority. And the fact that these 20, you know, extremists are, are, are impeding the election of their own speaker is certainly a, a bizarre spectacle, certainly does nothing to uh to uh you know enhance the uh standing of the republican party so 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 tell America. me what is the what's the just why don't they vote for him and get mccarthy uh seated as speaker of the house what's their reason you know you read and read and read and you try to find what the grievance is it honestly it boils down to these people would rather blow it up than fix it you know in other words to work diligently at legislation that by necessity involves compromise is just beyond their skill set. And the only thing they know how to do is throw tantrum. Vote for him are actually more extreme um, followers of Trump. Is that the... Yeah, but even but even Trump himself has endorsed McCarthy for speaker. But these are people like Matt Getz and, uh, and, uh, and what's her name, Lauren Bo- Boebert, or however you pronounce her name. These are people who uh, are, you know, supporters of uh, of the uh, of the uh, uh, of the uh, the idea that the election was stolen, and that uh, there's anyway they embrace conspiracy theories. It's a strange group of people, and uh, again, the Republican brand is being, you know, being, uh, say the least, is being tarnished. They look like clowns. Yes, and it, it is sort of starting to resemble the banana republic that yeah. uh, that people said was going to be heralded in with Trump's election. Um, So, uh, listen, it's, uh, you know, uh, listen, McCarthy is not, you know, any kind of inspiring leader, but he's done a good job of getting Republicans uh, elected into the Congress. He's, you know, in in, in that way, he's acted very much like a party chair. Uh, But again, he's not. uh, uh, This is, again, it's a bizarre spectacle. It really is. You know, speaking about some things that's bizarre, but maybe we shouldn't be so um, uh, we shouldn't be so surprised. Uh, George Santos, a, 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 a I guess he was sworn in <laughs> uh, Jew or not. It a is Jew. so crazy. This story of Santos, how he's sitting there alone in the House chamber. None of, no Republican wants to sit next to him. He's a guy who's lied about everything. He's lied about everything in his life, his education, his career, his ethnicity, his background. He's lied about lying. He's like, he, he, it's, <laughs> it's astonishing. It's incredible how young he is, how many, how many lies he's it's been sitting on. He, he, he's gay. He has a husband. He claims he's, uh, anyway, the grandchildren, the grandchild of Holocaust survivors. He, he said something <laughs> stupid. He didn't say he was Jewish. He said he was Jewish. I mean, he's not, I mean, the guy is a, Here's my question, which I can't figure out, is why did anybody do basic research on this guy before nominating an election? And, and, and it sounds like our good friends in the five towns or wherever it was that uh, the district that he represents that was heavily Jewish uh, decided to put their votes behind him. And and this was heralded as a great victory that Republicans won seats. Right. In New York. No, there's no question. It was a, certainly a, a surprising victory for a Republican. However, it is, I mean, to those who fear that 
you know, America is turning against the Jews, Santos certainly thinks it's advantageous to be Jewish. So. <laughs> yes. yes. When, I, I'm always worried when somebody is, you know, uh, you know, claiming to be Jewish and talking about, uh, you know, using words like Meshuggah. By the way, people forget AOC claimed to be descendant from Jews uh, to enhance her political profile. Uh, I see, because she's also from Queens. I guess she felt that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, honestly, felt, it's. It just again he's some old some old person. Yes. Yeah, it really does really indicate such a, I think a dismissiveness towards us that I I got to call myself Jew or else you're not going to vote for me. You know, like it's. Uh, oh, well, I don't it, know, it, but again, it's uh, it's certainly they didn't think it would hurt them politically, so that's interesting. So, and, and all of this, I think, is really causing you know, not only the Democrats, but especially the people that feel the Republicans are are Satan incarnate. They can now point to that and say, "Look at this! These, as you say, these devilish clowns, and um, anybody who's Republican uh, can't even admit about it." I think it's already been shown by uh, a lot of sociological studies that people are now embarrassed to say that they're a Republican openly. Um, you know, in some circles, certainly. Yeah, you're afraid to admit that it's it's it really is it really is incredible. I mean, we always knew there was a a a, a fault line between Republicans and Democrats, but it's never ever been anything like this. Um, no, it's it's, it's poisoned the entire you know dialogue. They've corrupted what the word conservative means. It's, it all thing is upside down. Yeah. So, but and if something so so let's go from um, these two. Uh, systems. I mean, of course, we wish Netanyahu uh, here from Emeritus Rex. Uh, we wish Netanyahu, and, and you know him very, you know him personally, of course, the Hatzalach Rabba, and that, uh, you know, we what we should do is give him a chance. Um, yeah, for sure. And, and see what's going on. And, right. And again, it's it's like everybody's footprint is so uh, transparent today that uh, we end up you know, getting up in arms uh, and, and and we all know especially the, the recreation uh, or the transformations that occur politically in Israel are quite common and therefore yes. you know you mentioned Arik Sharon he was a, 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 a prime example of someone who did things uh, like Nixon visiting China so to speak so you know let, let, let's see how the ball plays out I, I think we both agree though in you know, basically, we think that um, for security issues, um, you know, we think that Israel is in safe, safer hands than perhaps it, it was before. Um, let's hope that they know how to. Let's wield, hope, yeah. They know how to wield the power uh, properly. Um, I, you know, as as the whole uh, sports world and beyond is buzzing about what occurred on Monday evening. Uh, when a, a Pittsburgh native, um, yes, yes, and um, Damar Hamlin, who went to who was a Pittsburgh boy, who went to University of Pittsburgh, uh, actually played together with Kenny Pickett, your your quarterback, who yes. who, led, who led a fourth quarter um, uh, comeback comeback victory against the hated Baltimore Ravens. Yes, yes, yes and, right. But all of you know. But, but again, I I think the sight of Damar. You know, Kalaris collapsing like a rag doll after a standard hit, uh, and really the shock that permeated uh, the whole stadium there in in Cincinnati, and really the whole sports world. Um, uh, it, it really was something remarkable. Uh, but yet, as as we've talked about, it, the sport is so dangerous. 
Um, what what do you think needs to happen here at this point? And now, you know, I know as as as, Listen, as I, I don't know what should happen. I think we can speculate about what will happen. Listen, we've watched football for a long time, and and I want to. You didn't say it incorrectly, but it, there's a. I think a lot of people have a misimpression of what happened because they saw the, the you know the clip that's being shown most frequently. If you if you if you go to YouTube and you and you watch the original broadcast. So meaning the play from the beginning, you get a kind of a different perspective on the play. Um, he was the tackler. I know people know that, but, it, you know, he was the tackler, not not the one getting tackled. Right. Uh, he, he was tackling T. Higgins. And if you look at the play, it's a play you see 20 times a game. A hit you see 20 times a game in any football game. Nothing unusual about it. There were some people who were critical of T. Higgins, but it's way off base. T. Higgins didn't do anything wrong, and you got to feel for him also. I in, am, in, I'm sure he's and, carrying a lot of a lot of pain and guilt. But you're right. What T. Higgins did was lower his head uh, into the uh, to uh, Demar's body because that's what you're supposed. To, that's probably yeah. what he was trained to do uh, to try to you know get a, perhaps a little more yardage. And to maybe soften the no, blow. No, Teague has done nothing wrong here. Isn't it? And, and again, so it, it happens to be I was getting live updates from the field because my grandson was at the game. My grandson Ezra was at the game. He was actually there. And um, I was, you know, FaceTiming with him. And no one knew what was going on. You watched the original broadcast. The broadcasters had no idea for a while what was going on. Right. I think I, I think it was only when they realized that the uh, the attendants on the field were uh, were actually using CPR to start his heart right. again that I they mean, realized we've seen a lot that... of horrific injuries. We saw Ryan Shazier, you know, we've seen terrible injuries, but those are again mostly you know bones, muscles, ligaments, you know, tendons, and then you have the concussions. But re- to have to be resuscitated. Right, no right. one's ever, right. no one's and, ever and, seen like this. Right, right. Which is, but again, you know, when we talk about a person like Daryl Stingley and others who are paralyzed for life after right. a hit, uh, yes, it's it's not death, it's not immediate death, but if it's a if it's a break in the spinal cord, oh, for sure. But again, being dead, he the guy, he was dead. His heart had stopped. He he needed to be resuscitated once on the field, another time. In the ambulance, there's some positive reports coming. We hope they're accurate coming now. But uh, this is a young man who has had a a very interesting uh, uh, life till now. Uh, A real decent kid at at a Catholic high school in in Pittsburgh and the University of Pittsburgh. A real role model taken in the sixth round. He fought for to play in the NFL. He's achieved his dream. He's a rookie. It's his first year. And uh, and you got to feel for him. And um, and, and it's and, true. What, what I found interesting, Ralph, was that um, you know they discovered that he had a his own little fund for giving toys right. to he, underprivileged he children. Twenty five hundred, and now it's over four million dollars. I heard six million already. Yes. Oh wow! I, my report's a little old. So so what I think this really speaks to is the sense of helplessness that. What can we do? Let's do something for him. Well, you're not going to, you know, pay more money uh, to the expert doctors in the University of Cincinnati Hospital. Right. Um, you're not going to. Right. What can I do? What can I do? And and I think yeah, it, some it, people are are doing this. It's very nice and it's very uh, you know nice thing. But again, it's a real question for the NFL now. I mean, uh, 
NFL brand. Right. And, and I would say, again, as much as I love football and talking about it, 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 it it's possible, just like Len Bias, that the man, you know, uh, DeMar had a heart arrhythmia. It's possible that the moment he was hit by T. Higgins was the moment that the heart was moving in a way that caused this type of heart attack to occur. And it's it, it's a very rare thing, and it probably wouldn't happen uh, again. Still, there's a lot of speculation. A lot of armchair cardiologists have been weighing in. Nobody really knows for sure what happened here. But the question is, how do you move forward? How do you have the playoffs and the Super Bowl with the same, you know, joyous atmosphere if, you know, if DeMar is still in the hospital or, God forbid, if he passes away before that? I mean, how's the NFL going to handle this? And it's a year when the NFL has enjoyed remarkable popularity. And how they move forward is is really, it's you know, it's uh, they're not in, in an enviable position right now. Yeah. And, and even though, you know, people will say that, you know, the concussion issue is the major one, the, 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 the very public nature of this, I think, might just be the clarion call that will get people to reconsider about right. the about the essence of this game. No, there's no uh, question. First of all, you see a, you're, there's already a, a drop in the number of kids playing high school football. People, the concussion issue certainly uh, it was the major impetus in that drop off. But this is going to hurt, and and, and, it's, and it wouldn't be outlandish to consider the possibility that the NFL, the game we love, may never be the same. Yeah. I, now, let's just talk about what concerns us both is, hmm, you know, the, 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 the gurus of figuring out what will happen if the game is not played, which it doesn't right. seem it isn't. Like, how does that affect the standings? Because basically you end up with two teams. Right. I mean, that, listen, that, there's rumors tonight. They just might do a coin toss. Uh, no one, you know, we'll see what happens, how they, how they handle the game. On the Florida Causeway, we'll catch you again. Take care, uh, everybody. Uh, Be well. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.